Hi again and welcome to this teaching from Foundation Church Belfast. My name is David and I'm the pastor at Foundation Church Belfast. You know, around uh, Foundation, we say that we are a gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on mission. That's what we are. That's, that's our heartbeat. Gospel-centered means that we are all about proclaiming and experiencing and enjoying the good news of the Christian message of Jesus. We're spirit-empowered, which means that uh, we are a place where we see the kingdom of God coming with power. And we are a community on mission, which means that we are a spiritual family. We are the, we are the community uh, through which all this stuff is worked out, where we model this together, where we enjoy it together. And together, by the grace of God, we are a life, uh, church rather, is a life-giving, radical place to be. But the problem is... And, and, and the thing that we're going to be looking at today uh, in this teaching is what happens when someone uh, starts to wander away from that community, this life-giving, radical, life-changing place. Well, that's the, the subject that James finishes in this letter. And we've been tracking through the, the, the letter that James writes to various churches um, in the book of James. Uh, the series has been called Real Religion. And he ends on this really uh, slightly unusual note of what to do when someone wanders away. But as we'll see as we go through this teaching, it very much summarizes everything uh, that James has been um, teaching and adding to the churches as we go. So let's read together. I've got my Bible here. Uh, if you've got yours handy, um, it's, it's, it's always good to read through, just so you know that I'm not making this up. But this comes from, from God's word. And the last two verses in James chapter 5, the, the end of his letter says this. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's it. No goodbye. That's the last few uh, lines that James ends his letter on. So we're going to ask ourselves a couple of questions, or four actually, as we go through this teaching. Uh, the first is, from what are we to bring a brother back? From what? Number two, we're going to ask, why are we to bring a brother back? Three, we're going to ask, how do we bring a brother back? And four, we're going to ask, to what are we to bring a brother back? So firstly, from what are we to bring a brother back? The context um, for this, this passage, as it is for the whole letter of James, is the local church. You know, he says in verse 19, My brothers, if anyone from among you, you, plural, wanders. Uh, by the way, when he says here, uh, brothers, James is referring to all members of the spiritual community, brothers and sisters, the original Greek uh, that James wrote in uh, is translated brothers. But he's referring to brothers and sisters, men and women, um, all, all forms of people within uh, the community of faith. If anyone wanders from you, you have to bring him back. So he's talking to this, this group, this community, those who are identified as belonging to the church. And he says, if one of you, if one of these people uh, wanders, you are to bring them back. So from the outset, this is not primarily a text about evangelism, which is uh, sharing the good news of Jesus with those from outside the church who don't believe in him. Um, the context is bringing back, and he says twice this word, verse 19 and verse 20, someone who wanders, wandering. The original Greek word conjures up this idea of being seduced. 
you know, we sometimes say the grass is always greener on the other side. Someone who looks over the other side of the fence and uh, is attracted and wanders away to a new way of thinking or living or, or practicing. And as, as uh, you know, our own experience will show, and my own personal experience, you know, uh, in church ministry over the last 15 years or so, um, people who wander away from the local church don't just wake up one day and decide, you know what, that's it, I'm done, I'm just going to wander away. It's often a, a progressive, stepwise wandering. You know, you can often see um, in such people various traits and patterns of behavior starting to, to crop up. You know, um, as we'll see in a few moments' time, this wandering away uh, it gives us this sort of image of, of, of a sheep. Uh, you know, the Bible's quite clear in various places. Uh, we're, we're all like sheep in some way. Uh, Jesus is the shepherd, you know, and, and, and we're, we're all like sheep. And sheep, sheep will wander. Sheep can wander away when they see the grass is greener. And so in some ways, that's what we're seeing here. We're, we're talking about a wandering sheep being lured away to some hope or promise of something better or more exciting or, or more tasty somewhere else. That's what happens. But from what are such people wandering? What are they wandering from? Well, um, there's two things that James picks up in this text. Uh, first of all, he says, uh, they are wandering from the truth in verse 19. If you're wandering from the truth, go and bring that person back. You know, if you're from a, a church background, uh, when, when we hear that, that phrase truth and that concept of truth, uh, the first thing that often comes up in our mind is, is, is uh, the body of truth, you know, doctrine, uh, our, our theology. If someone wanders away from our, our statement of faith, um, those, those core teachings of the Christian faith, then that's, that's what James is talking about. That's what we, we think. And, and, and certainly he's not thinking of anything less than that. Um, if someone starts denying uh, the, the core teachings of the Christian faith, as summarized, for example, in the Apostles' Creed that we use um, fairly regularly at, at Foundation Church, someone starts to deny that Jesus really was God or, or, or God himself is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If someone starts to deny those things, then of course they're wandering from the truth. That might be what James is talking about. But as we have seen over our study in, in the, the letter that James wrote, James has a, has a, a more nuanced version or, or understanding, a broader understanding of truth. Yes, it's that, that, that core uh, knowledge of the, the important bits of, of teaching within the Christian faith. But it's more than that. For James, truth is, 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 uh, is knowledge, but it's also practice. It is life as well as it is the word. And we see that um, at the way back at the beginning, if you're with us, um, back in uh, James chapter 1, uh, James says that we are ourselves born from the word of God, the word of truth. We're born of truth, uh, we're to live a life of truth. In fact, the whole um, letter that he writes here uh, is to try and help churches and Christians figure out what is real religion, as opposed to the fake version, because as he's been showing us time and again through this letter, it's possible to have the, the, the truth in terms of the right doctrine and the right sort of confession of faith. But also then, even with that, to live a life that shows otherwise. That's fake religion. And, and so what he's saying here is if you see someone wandering from the, the truth knowledge and the truth life, then we're to go and to bring that brother or sister back. If it's in their attitudes or in their beliefs or in their behaviours, we're to go and bring that brother or sister back. That's what James is saying. 
wandering from the truth. They're wandering from the truth. Here, here, here's some examples of what that might look like. And these are just themes that we have seen uh, time and again through our study in the book of James. What if someone uh, in, our, in our church or in your church um, is being filled with the sense of, uh, you, can, you can see they're all about themselves, you know, selfish ambition, uh, James calls it. What if someone's being consumed with jealousy or, or bitterness about some issue, some, some relational breakdown? What if someone is characterised by the use of their tongue and their words in a way that one day on Sunday worships God and sings all these great songs and then the next moment they're slandering people, they're gossiping? What about someone who hears the word of God, hears good Bible teaching week after week after week, but it makes zero difference in their lives? What if someone responds to trials and struggles not with peace and tranquility, but with devastation, with anger. They become horrible people. These themes and, and many others are, are seen in this book of James. And James is saying if someone starts to wander into those things, into those practices, even if they have the right theology, then we are to go and we are to get alongside. We are to bring that brother or sister back. Anywhere where there's a division between doctrine and life, between what they say orthodoxy, Knowledge and orthopraxy, practice, between word and deed. If those things are split apart, James says, go, bring a brother back, alert them. Of course, the most obvious sign of wandering away from the truth is a physical wandering. It's an ominous sign, ducking out of community gatherings, whether it is a Sunday morning gathering that we're, we're all familiar with and used to and looking forward to again if you're ducking out of that or ducking out of midweek gatherings or times when the the worshiping community is coming together if people are becoming less and less frequent in their attendance if they come up with various various excuses as to why they can't be there then that is a key sign it doesn't necessarily mean that they're wandering away from the truth as james would describe it but it is an ominous sign and it is, it is one, one thing that we must as a community of people go to such people and say, help me understand what's, what's, what's going on. So wandering away from the truth, that's the first thing that, that these wanderers are doing. Um, but here's an even more uncomfortable thing that James is, is giving us here. He says that they are wandering, in verse 20, towards death. Towards death. Um, this is why... I think James ends on this note, on this bombshell, right at the end of his, his letter. It's so serious. Because according to James, somebody, a brother or sister, who, who is associated with a local church, even a member of a local church, and whatever that looks like in various church traditions, if they start wandering away from the truth, either in word or deed, James says they are on a path to death. This is why it's so serious. This is why he leaves it to the end. Uh, this is why it's the last note that is sounding um, in the minds and in the ears of his readers. Because this is the result of where a wanderer ends up if left to his or own, her own devices. And so James issues this sober warning. People who are thought to be part of the community of faith, brothers and sisters... They start ducking out. They start living life out of sync with their doctrine, without the, with the teaching. And James is saying they are wandering towards their own death. 
this is really uncomfortable teaching. This is really uncomfortable words. But as I say, it's, it's what James says. And we have to take note of it. We have to take it seriously. It's not just a lifestyle choice or, or, or someone finding some better thing down the road. This is serious. This is life and death stuff. Shows, however, how, how, how dire the situation is from falling away from that life-giving, gospel-centered community and the implications of no one from that community going to bring a brother back, to, to save them, to bring them back. I wonder if, as you listen to these words from James, these sobering words, can they in any way apply to you? Can you identify in any way with, with someone who has started to wander away either physically or, or wander away in practice. Maybe you think of someone else, maybe someone else in Foundation Church, or if you're listening from another church, someone else who is wandering away from your spiritual community. Maybe even you know another Christian from another church that you're not a member of, but you know, another church, who is also, you're looking at their lives and you're seeing them wandering away. I wonder who God is, is, is laying on your heart. Who is he bringing to your attention just now as we listen to these words from James? So the first thing is, from what are we to bring a brother back? Now in part two, we're going to ask the question, why are we to bring a brother or sister back? Why are we to go after someone who is wandering from that life-giving, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on mission? We've just seen in part one how James is so sincere, he's so somber, about the warnings that a wanderer, someone who's wandering away, is wandering from the truth and they're wandering to their death. And so in answer to our question, why are we to go after someone and expend energy and, and, and go through all sorts of awkward conversations with them, why are we to do that? And we can say, well, you know, first of all, perhaps fear is going to motivate us to go after them. Fear that they can, can lose their soul to death. And so we go after someone because we don't want that to happen, of course. But... As well as uh, being a motivator, fear can also um, have the adverse effect. It can, it can paralyze us into silence. If we think to ourselves that, that, that fear, you know, um, if we get this wrong, if we screw up or mess up uh, and just, just come across all wrong, then we can actually end up pushing that person further away. And so fear itself can be a demotivating factor as to why we're to bring a brother or sister back. Um, and maybe another, another reason that we can look at, another, another possible motivating factor is, is people who, who believe uh, uh, and take seriously the words of the Bible as we do at Foundation Church. And we can say, well, the Bible just commands it. It says it. James has written it. Therefore, I must go off and, and do it. I want to grit my teeth if I have to. I will, I will push through uh, so that I might obey uh, the word of God, which is a good thing. Right? It's a good thing to obey what it says in the Bible. But whether it's through fear or, or whether it's through a sort of a teeth gritting determination to just be obedient to the scripture, both of those approaches to winning and uh, you know, going after a brother or sister who is wandering, both of those approaches can end up becoming some sort of uh, mechanical, legalistic um, approach. You know, you can just imagine uh, going and knocking on someone's door in the middle of the night and saying, um, I, I've noticed you're wandering, so just stop sinning come back to the church and just turning around and, uh, and going back home again. That is not our approach at Foundation Church. That is not 
what James would have his, his, his people do. Um, but we have to look then for another motivating factor rather than fear, rather than grudging obedience. Um, what, what, what approach should we use when we are bringing, uh, going to bring a brother back? So when we're answering the question why, uh, we have to look straight at the core of the Christian faith. We have to look at the gospel, the good news. We have to see what God has done for you and for me through Jesus. And when we see that and when we understand that clearly, then we will get a fresh, compelling motivation flowing from love um, to go to a brother or sister and bring them back as James would have it. The gospel is good news. That's what gospel means. It is good news. But it is based on the fact that we, according to the Bible, we all, you and me, we all have wandered away. We've wandered away from God. Isaiah 53, in this famous section of his uh, prophecy in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53 verse 6 said, All we, like sheep, have gone astray, all of us. We have turned everyone to his or her own way. And the Lord God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us have gone astray, says the prophet Isaiah. You know, we were created for God. We were created by God. We were created for relationship with him, intimacy with him. We were created to know him, to enjoy him, uh, to, to worship him, to glorify him, to reflect his glory to the rest of creation. That's what we were created to do, you, me, and every, every other human being in the world that's ever been. And yet the, the, the prophet says, we have wandered away. He uses this metaphor again, as we saw earlier, of sheep wandering away from their shepherd. We have wandered away, all of us, away from the source of life, away from the source of, of, of profound love and deep acceptance with our creator God. And instead, we have wandered towards death. We've chosen our own way. We've seen, we thought that the grass is greener over here and we have tried to get life and love on our own terms, with our own means, away from God and the, the, him being the source of all life and love. And we've wandered. And we have sinned. And, and, and uh, Isaiah here calls it iniquity. Iniquity. But here is the gospel. Isaiah hints at it. He says, the Lord God has laid on him, somebody, the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. According to Isaiah, a person who he later refers to as a lamb who is led to the slaughter, bears our sin, bears the consequences of our wandering. Who is this person that Isaiah hints at, prophesies about? Who is this one who heals us, who brings us back, who brings back the wandering sheep to God? Who is the one who, who takes the punishment on himself like a sacrificial lamb? Well, the apostle Peter Another writer of the New Testament uh, picks up this theme and he says this in, again in 1 Peter 2 verse 24, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin. He, he goes on to say in verse 25, you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You're wandering like sheep. You see, when you see the gospel, when you put your faith in Jesus as the one on whom God laid the consequences of our sin, the one through whom God brought us back to himself, when you see that, when you see that he gave himself for you and I so that we might come back to God wandering sheep, 
come back to the, to the shepherd, then you will realise that his death has taken your death. His punishment has led to your healing. This is the good news of the gospel. And you see, when, when you see that, when you understand what God has done to bring the wandering sheep, that is you and me, back to himself, then you can see, I hope, how that starts to change our attitude towards one another within the community of faith. You know, we're not going to be motivated by a grudging obedience just to go and bring a brother or sister back. When we see how far God went to bring you back through giving his own son Jesus as the sacrificial lamb, when you see what he does for you, then you will be motivated. Your heart will be changed towards your fellow sheep, fellow wanderers. You know, it's not like you haven't wandered and someone else is the one with the problem. Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray. The reason why we're together in the community on faith is because Jesus has brought us back to himself through his body. So when we understand that, then we will go to other brothers and sisters who are wandering away and we'll say, come back to Jesus. Be reunited to your father. Come back into the fold. Come back into the community, the, the, the people of Jesus. We will, we will go to them. We will do anything that we can to win our brothers and sisters back to Jesus. Because Christ, the Lamb of God, brought me back to God. I will go and bring a brother or sister back with every effort, every ounce of effort that I can. I will not give it a second thought. So why are we to bring a brother or sister back? Because God in Jesus Christ, through the gospel, brought us back at huge cost to himself. How can we fail to show the same in kind to our own brothers and sisters who Christ died for? Now in part three, we're going to ask the question, how do we bring a brother or sister who is wandering back? How do we go about the process of, of, of going to someone and bring them back, trying to restore them back to, to Jesus, to the community of Jesus, of the local church? Well, in these verses, James talks about the fundamental need and the call to approach someone who is wandering and, and bring them back but he doesn't give us any practical tips on how we go about doing that so we're going to look now to the words of jesus whom, whom james leans on very heavily indeed um, in this letter and we're going to go to the words of jesus recorded in matthew 5 and matthew 18 uh, to give us some more practical steps on how we bring a brother or sister back how do we go about doing that matthew 5 23 and 24 jesus says this if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there at the altar and go. First, he says, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The point that Jesus is driving at here is that if you suspect that your brother or sister has something against you, you are to take the first steps to deal with it. Now, it's important that you understand and we, we, we gather what Jesus is saying here. If someone else has something against you, you are the one to go and take the first steps. You're to take the initiative. Now, it might be that someone has something against you because you've done something stupid. You've, you've sinned against them. You've, you've offended them either on purpose or, or without realizing it. Um, so yeah, of course, you have to go. If you've done something dumb, you have to go and, and be reconciled to that person. That's, you know, say, say, say you're sorry, you know, just, just, just get it out there, Do it, get it done. Um, heal that relationship and then come back to worship 
But, but that's not entirely what Jesus is saying. He says, if you remember that your brother has something against you, irrespective of what it is, it might be that you've done nothing wrong at all, but you just get the feeling that someone has some problem with you, you know, something brewing under the surface, maybe you know, uh, even irrespective of, of whether their grievance is legitimate or not. This is, this is not about attributing blame or figuring out who's right and who's wrong. Jesus is saying, if, if there's any sniff or suggestion that there is some disharmony between you and a brother or sister within the community, then before you even engage in the acts of worship, stop. Go to that person and be reconciled, you know. Uh, bring peace, bring love, bring forgiveness. Open up that line of conversation first. Deal with that first and then come to worship. That's what Jesus says. First teaching. Second teaching Jesus has for us is in Matthew 18. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell them his or her fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You've, you've won them back. You know, you've, you've repaired or re-established community where it has been threatened. So the point here in the second teaching from Matthew 18 from Jesus is that if you are sinned against, if someone has done something against you, course you've every right to be upset and, and respond um, with anger righteous anger or, or, or sadness or disappointment or hurt or whatever whatever but you are to go to that person as well so can you see in these two teachings from Matthew 5 and Matthew 18 Jesus is saying if someone's got a problem with you you go and win them back if you've got a problem with someone else you go and win them back whether someone's done something to you or you've done something to them you go and win them back it's on you. Don't delay, says Jesus. Don't just sit there waiting. Don't sit there meditating and getting all bitter. He's done something wrong. She's offended me. She looked at me funny. He said something that I, I can't let go of. It's not about being offended or being the offender in this scenario. What Jesus is getting at here and what underlies what James is teaching us, no matter where the blame lies, you take the responsibility of going to that brother or sister who is wandering and your aim is to bring a brother back. Your aim is to restore community, to win them over, to bring them back to the community of faith. But from, from James, we are seeing in his whole letter, there is a broader application still. Not only is it a personal offence of sin or, or you know one thing done against one other person, but the tone of his entire letter here is trying to help us to, to grab a hold of real religion and reject fake religion and we've seen that time and again and you know I'm, I don't have time to go through all that just now I need to go back and listen on our podcast but if you're seeing someone as we've said earlier you know who's using their tongue to break down rather than build up if you're seeing someone in your community who's being filled with jealousy who is using corrupt business practices in their in their work life you are to go to that person and bring a brother back you're to challenge them you're to you're to to, to bring them back to the fold because they're wandering they're wandering away from the truth they're wandering away from the life that flows from that truth if you see patterns, behaviours, if you see traits that are starting to rise up in that person's life or the way that they are, uh, are doing life, if you've got any concerns, you are to go with humility and love and respect and go to that person because of what Jesus has done for you, bringing you back to God. You are to go. Put aside all personal offences and go. You are to take every step that you can to restore that brother or sister back, to restore community where it is ruptured. Can you see for a moment or two how, how radical this is compared to the world out there? 
maybe your experience in, in work or uh, other, other, you know, other scenarios outside of church have shown you how, how ordinarily people deal with conflict and, and, and with wandering and, and, and all that. You know, we, we, we just see it's dealt with by slander and maybe just avoiding that person who's annoyed us or upset us or, or being all passive aggressive towards them or just pure hating on them and doing everything we can to hurt them back. But this is not how it is in the church. It's not how it should be in the church. Because the values within the gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on the church, uh, community on mission, are so very different from what we see out there in the world. I wonder as we're going through this, these practical steps of going, taking an initiative, does a, does a certain person come to your mind? Or maybe several people come to your mind. Is it, do you have right now a, a need to act? Is God the Holy Spirit guiding you to say, I, I need you, I want, I want you to go to this person or that person. I want you to lift the phone. I want you to establish communication. I want you to arrange a meeting, obviously over Zoom at the moment or FaceTime. I want you to sit down with, with them. And here's how uh, such a conversation might go for now or for, for some time in the future. You might, you might sit down with a, a brother or sister uh, from, from your community, from Foundation Church. You might say, brother, sister, I'm for you. I love you as family. We are in this together. But you know what? There's just something uh, that I'm concerned about um, that I see and I just want to talk through it. Uh, you know what? I might be wrong. So forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but I've just noticed an issue in your life that, that, that I think we need to talk about. That's maybe how such a conversation would go. And let me just say, I've, I've been there myself plenty of times. Uh, it is tough. It, it's not always the most fun conversation starter, let's say. And it's scary at times anyway. But here's what I do want to say to you. I have seen great breakthrough when I have taken these words of, of James and Jesus seriously, God has given power, he's given um, uh, faith, and I've seen breakthrough. I've seen people responding to um, my efforts to, to humbly challenge and to, and to talk, and, and uh, I've seen grace being applied. I've seen new beginnings starting as a result of one awkward, um, challenging conversation. There's no getting around it. It is awkward, it is challenging, and yet the rewards are great when, when, when community can be re-established, when wandering uh, brothers and sisters are brought back, the joy of bringing them back. Sometimes we can talk about stuff on the phone and a quick phone call is sufficient. Um, most often, such conversations need to happen face-to-face. Uh, there's just so much value in, in uh, these non-verbal communications. You know, um, our facial expressions and our body language can communicate so much more than, than just a text message or an email can do. I would just say if you are, you know, as and when you are in, um, embarking on these sort of conversations, um, avoid written communication. You know, text messaging and emails are, are great for some forms of communication. But when it comes to this sort of heart and soul, help me understand, I love you uh, kind of conversations, it's got to be face-to-face -face at the very least on, 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 on the phone. Um, so yeah, just avoid, avoid written communication uh, in this scenario. You know, it's easily misread, isn't it? Easily misinterpreted. Um, but what I would say is go, go, when you do go, when you're the person to, to go, taking the initiative, um, go prayerfully. Um, 
go humbly. Don't don't think you've got all the facts and that your way of seeing things is is infallible, that you, you've got it all sussed. That's why we go and say, look, I could be wrong, but this is what I'm seeing and, and help me understand and, and let's talk about that. You go with humility. You go with love in your heart, not to condemn or judge and say, aha, you know, you're wrong, you're sinning, you've sinned against me. Uh, we go with love and, and, and with, a, with a heart to restore. We go with a, what, the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us in our, in our hearts and minds. That breaks down any form of pride or arrogance, knowing that you and I have wandered too and that God has brought us back through Jesus. Therefore, we're going simply to a fellow wanderer and saying, brother, sister, let me, let me talk to you. Let me, let me discuss this with you. But go. Um, this is the key takeaway message. Don't delay. Don't let this fester. Bring a brother back. Because if the wandering has, has begun, then as James says in verse 20, there is a terrible destination ahead for the brother or sister who wanders. You know, at Foundation Church, we have a duty of care. Those of us who are in sort of uh, identified as members who are in a covenant community with one another, we have a duty of care to each other. We have made promises to go after one another, to go and say, brother, sister, come back, come back, because that's what it means to be a community on mission. So fourthly and finally, in this section, we're going to ask to what are we to bring a brother back to? To what are we to restore a wandering brother or sister back into? Don't forget in verse uh, 19 of our our passage today, James says, uh, my brothers, plural, you, 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 you all, you people, if anyone among you, plural, wanders from the truth, you are to bring him back. You see, this is to be a value that is owned, yes, and, and practiced by individuals, but is owned by the entire community. The entire community is ultimately responsible to live out this value, to bring and restore wandering sheep back to itself. Because the local church is the place where real religion is worked out, where it, where it is fleshed out. It is the place where all this teaching that we've been taking, seeing in the book of James, is most clearly and wonderfully lived out in the local church. And so it is the role of a healthy local church to bring a brother back. It is to the group of those who are committed, who have promised to live out their lives, covenanted to live out their lives together, to live out real religion together. That is what a community on mission looks like. Not a bunch of individuals, but a community, a family, spiritually brought together. A group of former wanderers who have been brought back to God by the Lamb of God, placed together in and around Jesus to live out the word of truth, to live out real religion together. That is what we are bringing a brother back to. We're bringing a brother back to a church that is radically committed to doing good works as a sign of their faith in Jesus. We're bringing a brother back to a church that serves the poor, that takes care of widows, um, that provides for orphans. We're bringing a brother back to a church that displays the glorious unity of the good news of Jesus, that refuses partiality, that re refuses preferential treatment of the rich depending on their outward appearance, refuses preferential treatment of certain races or certain socioeconomic statuses. We are bringing a brother back to a place where rich wisdom reigns, where the worldly dog-eat-dog -dog attitudes of success are conspicuously absent, 
We are bringing a brother back to a group of people who use their words, their tongues to build up, to speak well of, to encourage, to strengthen, rather than to tear down and offend. We're bringing a brother back to a church of people characterized by a humble and, and, and meek acceptance of God's word, the word of truth. We're becoming doers of the word, not only hearers. We're bringing a brother back to a place where we live our lives, our children, where we make our plans as the Lord wills. We make our plans as if God is in charge and that he knows the future. We don't. We're bringing a brother back to a place where repentance is modelled, where at times we will weep and mourn and be wretched about our sin before the Lord. We are bringing a brother back to a church filled with people who suffer well, who have learned what it is to count it all joy when various trials of various kinds come against us, who have learned to practice patient endurance. We're bringing a brother back to a place uh, characterized by people who root their hearts, establish their hearts, strengthen their hearts on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. We're bringing a brother back to a place filled with stories of powerful prayers being answered, of the sick being healed, of the lost being found, of the dead being raised, of wounds being bound in the name of Jesus. This is what we are bringing a brother back to. This is the real religion that James sets out before us in his letter to the churches. You see, folks, there is nothing like the local church, when the church is healthy and it is vibrant and it is growing. So my challenge to you as we close out this, this message, but also this entire series through the book of James is, what about you? Are you in? Are you going to be a catalyst used by God to breathe life into the local church? Are you going to join with us? at Foundation Church in this gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community or mission? Are you going to help us to live out real religion in this local church? Will you help to create a culture of bringing a brother or sister who wanders back to the fold? Will you take the initiative and go and bring someone back to Christ? Will you, will you become part of the spiritual family that, that pulls one another back from the brink when we are wandering away, that we'll say to each other, personally or as a group, come back to Jesus. He is worthy. He is worth it. Come back to Jesus. So are you in? Are you convicted? Then go. Bring a brother back. Let me close by saying this as well. If you're not part of a church community, we would love you to join with us at Foundation Church at Belfast. We'd love you to be a part of what God is doing, what he has already started among us. There's two ways that you can respond to this, practical ways. Uh, firstly, you can connect with us um, either by email or on social media. Our email is hello at foundationchurchbelfast.com. Uh, you can find us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram, and you can message us there. Uh, you can connect also by joining one of our upcoming uh, Google Hangouts or our Zoom conversations. We have prayer times, uh, just chatting together. Um, if you want to hang out online and say hi, we would love to, to have, have you join us. So again, keep an eye out on social media and we'd love you to connect.
Connecting electronically is one thing, and it's certainly very necessary at this time, this season. Um, but we are also looking forward with great anticipation for the time when we can gather again face to face. And we would love you to join us when that happens. We gather at 10.30 every Sunday morning up at Asheville Girls High School on the Hollywood Road in East Belfast. I would love to join you, especially on our first Sunday back after our quarantine is over, um, where we can join together. We can enjoy Jesus. We can worship him. We can enact powerful prayer. We can hear his life-changing word. And we'd love you to join us in our spiritual family, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, community on mission. Bye for now.